Coming up, depression. It's more than a case of the blues. How to notice it and how to treat it. Welcome everybody to At Home in Jerusalem, the podcast on Aish.com. I'm Heather Dean, and this is the place where each week a well-known scholar drops by for a visit and shares important insights from the Torah that will make home life better. And this week, I'm joined once again by my guest, Dr. Jacob Friedman, at the worldwide headquarters of Aisha Torah in Jerusalem, Israel. And this week, we will be talking about depression. Dr. Friedman is a psychiatrist who writes a popular weekly column for Mishpacha magazine called Off the Couch, and he has a private practice in Jerusalem. His goal is to promote awareness of mental illness and help families get the support they need. If you are interested in contacting Dr. Friedman, you may do so through his website, drjacoblfriedman.com, and that's D-R-J-A-C-O-B-L-F-R-E-E-D-M-A-N.com. And this spring, Dr. Friedman's book will be released and it's based on his work. It'll be in bookstores and on Amazon. Welcome back, Dr. Jacob Friedman to At Home in Jerusalem. It's a big honor to be here again. It was a lot of fun doing a few podcasts with you the past year and looking forward to spreading the good word about how to stay healthy in this coming year. Excellent. Okay, so here we are very well into winter. And we were talking before the recording about seasonal affective disorder. Um, But the overall, we're talking about depression on this week's podcast. And as you and I know, it's more than just about being sad all the time and thinking that life has no meaning. I'm wondering from a psychiatrical point of view, how do you define depression? Yeah, so I think we first have to understand the prevalence of depression, which Mm -hmm. is quite significant. Uh, Up to about 20% of people will experience depression at some point in their life. Obviously, there's some demographics uh, of folks that are more likely to experience it, folks who have substance abuse problems, folks who are under a lot of stress, whether that's financial, social, medical distress, uh, as well as women in the postpartum period. So a lot of people can experience depression. Depression. And depression, uh, as you said, is not just the blues or being down because it's snowy or cold outside. Uh, depression is a medical condition uh, that in some ways is more similar to something like epilepsy or uh, diabetes, whereby the body uh, is struggling and inflammation is happening in the brain, causing symptoms of dysfunction and uh, unhappiness, hopelessness, helplessness, uh, guilty feelings, difficulties with appetite, with sleep, with energy and focus. And somebody who has some of those symptoms really should uh, take the important responsibility, the achrayas, as we say in Yiddish, of going to a trained professional and Mm -hmm. being evaluated for their condition. Is it something that you were talking about the onset a little bit? So is it something that can be caused by ordinary everyday stressors? Is it something a person's born with, or might it be a reaction to some sort of big, bad life event? Great question. So we're talking about nature versus nurture here. Mm-hmm. And I think that the answer is both. Uh, certain people are certainly 
predisposed to depression. Uh, somebody who has a strong family history of mom or dad or siblings with depression would certainly be more likely to experience depression at some point in their life. Mm -hmm. uh, however, not everybody who has a sibling or a parent with depression is doomed to experience depression themselves. A person, though, who has a genetic predisposition that has stressful events in their life, specifically substance abuse, uh, again, medical conditions, and doesn't in general take care of their body is absolutely at a greater risk of depression. Mm -hmm. We call this the two-hit hypothesis, the genetic predisposition and then the stress in their lives. Mm -hmm. If they are under psychiatric treatment for depression, is it something that, in your experience, most patients will deal with their whole life, or is it something that... Great can, question. I yeah. think that we have to understand depression as a spectrum. There's not just one uh, depression. It's not like... Uh, there's just one color red or one color blue or it's hot or cold outside. Uh, we have to understand that, again, everything is a spectrum. So some people will have one episode of depression in the mm -hmm. course of their lives. Some mm -hmm. people will have many episodes of depression over the course of their lives. Mm -hmm. What we have to further uh, promote in the community is the idea that people who are predisposed to depression and people who have had a depressive episode at some point in their life can do certain things to decrease the risk of a okay. future episode. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Interesting. Um, when a person is in it, there's this term called rumination, right? When depressing thoughts roll around and around in their mind. Um, is this something that you've seen people have breakthroughs? Uh, certainly. So there are evidence-based treatment modalities. Uh, Evidence-based means that there's scientific research that has studied large numbers of patients with different symptoms and different diagnoses to figure out what is the best treatment for them. Mm -hmm. So, for example, uh, somebody who has diabetes should see an endocrinologist. Somebody who has Crohn's disease should see a gastroenterologist. Somebody who has depression should see a Chinese medicine specialist. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, somebody <laughs> who has depression should see a mental health professional, right. most specifically a psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. And then an evidence-based approach could address their symptoms. Mm -hmm. Specifically, you brought up the symptom of rumination. And this is something that can be addressed using cognitive behavioral therapy, which is a specific type of psychotherapy that individuals such as social workers and psychologists and psychiatrists are trained in. And it can be used to decrease these ruminative thoughts, these mm -hmm. Thoughts that keep on coming back and making it impossible for a person to move forward right, with their daily right. schedule. So with that in mind, what are your thoughts on what's called a memory palace? If you could describe what that is and if you think that's um, effective. So I think that there's a lot of fun names out there of okay. different things. <laughs> mm -hmm. And a memory palace sounds fantastic. Mm -hmm. uh, I kind of want to go there myself and think about uh, learning how to play golf with my Zadie, Love of Shalom, and going to the batting cages with my dad. Mm -hmm. and learn Remembering good times. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, I, in general, I like the idea of giving my patients with depression a notebook and telling them, try to write down three things that you did today that you're proud of. And 
at the end of the day, it'll train you to look for the tov, to look for the good in everything that you've done. Uh, it'll take off those negative sunglasses that we have and allow you to see the brightness uh, of your day on a regular basis. And then I tell them, listen, if you go ahead and you write down three positive things that you've done at the end of the day, by the time you've finished a month of doing this exercise, you'll have close to a hundred things that you've done that you're proud of. At the end of a year, you'll have close to a thousand things that you've done that you're proud of. Mm -hmm. And you'll be able to look back on this at a time where you're feeling down and feel like maybe you didn't do too much good stuff this past year and say, wait a minute, I remember that time that my neighbor needed a ride to the hospital and I drove her there in the middle of the night. Right. I remember that time that it was my grandma's birthday and I surprised her. Very nice. Excellent. Um, there's also in popular culture this belief that exercise can help treat depression. What do you think about exercise? I think exercise is fantastic. Mm -hmm. I personally try to walk about eight miles a day and I track it uh, with a pedometer. Mm -hmm. I think this is very, very important. Uh, I wish I could play basketball for two hours a day like I used to in med school, but okay. hey, kids and work and other stuff. But for someone who's been diagnosed with depression, is that... Uh does that help inch them closer to recovery? Absolutely. Uh, I just don't want to... Uh folks to think that I'm not practicing what I'm preaching. <laughs> okay, so uh, there is good evidence that 45 minutes of cardiovascular exercise a day, five to six times a week, is as effective for mild depression as an SSRI, as wow. an antidepressant. There's also a lot of great evidence that regular exercise, even if it's just 20 minutes a few days a week, can prevent depression or further depressive episodes. So wow. this works by releasing certain chemicals in the brain, including BDNF, brain-derived neutrophic factor, and all sorts of other chemical changes in the brain that's also seen with antidepressant medications. So I just want to be clear. Exercise is not a replacement okay. for psychiatric treatment. Exercise is something that anybody and everybody can and should do to prevent the onset of depression, just like it prevents the onset of cardiovascular disease. Yeah. Oh, it's always nice to end on an upbeat note about something like depression, such a heavy topic. I want to thank you very much for speaking with us today about depression, Dr. Jacob Friedman. Big honor to be here. Thank you so much and wishing everybody a happy and a healthy year. And there are many excellent articles and videos about depression on H.com, so check them out. And thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.